Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Romeo Carey podcast. Sad day today. Lost a friend of mine, a giant, legend, spanned in the communication field, entertainment for better than 60 years. That's Larry King the world's most famous, world's greatest interviewers. The Times called him the breezy interviewer. I guess you can say that because it didn't seem like an interview. When he did an interview, it's like you're just talking to a friend. I mean, over the decades, he chatted with an estimated 50,000 people all over the world, every walk of life, from presidents and pundits, swindlers, and UFO experts. So I was lucky enough to have interviewed him four times. What we're going to be listening to tonight is the third interview. And this interview is really interesting because it was set up. All you have to do is call Larry King. Larry King was more accessible than most people would ever believe. All you would need to do to meet him is find him at his Brooklyn uh, bagel shop in the morning. He'd have breakfast there every morning. You can sit with him. He was he was a neighbor. It was as if you lived in a small town and you you knew kind of the the folks in town. He was that kind of guy, and he'd have heads of news stations and producers and everybody from athletes to Yes, every celebrity under the sun you can imagine in there at one time or another just to kick back and uh, hang out with Larry King. He had all his old buddies from New York in there. So he was the real deal. I mean, much different than your, you know, his persona uh, you might you might think uh, would lend to. On this occasion, we had a young broadcasting student that really wanted to learn firsthand from the pros so i set him up with larry i said give him a call and we'll we'll you know wherever he wants to do it either come to a to the studio or we'll do it at his at his house so we set it up and the the date came and it was just me and the student austin Furman, someone on his way to becoming a a professional at least that's what he thought while he was in high school and he was pushing the limits and i was mentoring him in that direction and here was our big interview he had already landed a lot of big interviews, but this was an addition, and this was a big one. So there we are at Larry King's house, and just before we entered, I realized I forgot a piece of gear. I said, oh man, forgot. I can't go back and retrieve it. It would take a little while to get back, get some one key piece of equipment I forgot. I said, don't worry about it. We're going to shoot the whole thing on my iPhone. And the student said, what? I said, don't worry, it'll be fine. I got a 4K iPhone, and I know how to use it. We'll be fine. And there we are knocking on Larry King's door. Larry King lets us in and he says, you know, great, just, he already, he knew me and I knew him. And, uh, and I introduced the student to him and there we go. He says, well, let's go to my trophy room. Trophy room's a good room for, for an interview. And there he leads us in his mansion in Beverly Hills, this amazing house. And uh, there we are entering his trophy room. And man, let me tell you, this place was wall to wall, just from every you know sporting uh, 
piece of memorabilia to uh, just trophies, Emmys and Peabody's and and things from all over the world. It was just spectacular. It was like a museum. There he is pointing stuff out. And you go, one of us, we're looking at everything and he's like, Kobe's shoes, these are Kobe's shoes. Um, and he starts pointing at all the, the different things that were handed to him at, at different football or baseball games, just taken right from the, you know, the athletes that knew them, you know, and they knew each other. And he had sons, so these two sons would always go to the games with him and they wanted to, you know, they wanted to give something to, to Larry's children. So there they were. So we sat down, did the interview, and this is uh, this is it. And this is a, a really a good sense of who Larry King really was. Here he is in his 80s. Could have done anything else, but he's so hungry for life, so hungry to lend, so hungry to mentor somebody coming up because he knows how tough it is. But he's just so full of life and just so inquisitive. I mean, one of the things I really liked about him was he explained in not this interview, but in another interview, he said, um, you know, my whole approach to everything is just like life and in interviews. I just want to know things. I got this I got this burning desire to know things. And uh, he said, you know, my son, I always wanted to be a baseball player. And my son, he played baseball and was like high school baseball player. And he hit a homer. He hit a homer. And I wanted to know. The first thing I wanted to know is what did it feel like when you're holding that bat? Uh, when you hit when you hit it, did you know it was a homer? What did it feel like? And it was just like the things that those are real questions that he wants to know because it's because I never hit a homer. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, just a, like a childlike way of questioning was just I was amazed by it. And then he told us, he explained to us his very beginning, how he got started. He goes, well, I've, I've always wanted to be in radio since I was five years old. That's all I ever wanted was, was to be on radio. And now he had this opportunity. He, he got a job at a radio station somewhere in the East. And uh, there he was. He was just part-timer, just helping out. But the, the, the real uh, radio announcer was out for an hour and he needed a replacement and this was it he wasn't expecting it because he thought he was just going to help be helping out at the station but in fact now he's the guy and the guy the manager says larry you we got to change your name he had some german jew last name that he had to he had to modify because this was like the 50s and wasn't good so he says he opened up the newspaper he goes there's king's mattress you're going to be larry king Today's your first show. You got to do an hour and uh, go in there. The records are playing now. You got you got uh, three minutes to get started and get get going with your show. Larry gets in there and he says, as soon as the record started and he had to start talking, he said he froze and he had dead air. And he said the record manager came in, put an album on, and he said, "Son, you're in a radio station." And you've got to talk. You got to entertain. This is entertainment. And he says you got you know you got two minutes when this record is over to show us what you got. And he said uh, he walked out. And he said as soon as the two minutes were up, he got on the he got on the microphone. And he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is my first time on 
radio. Uh, I've never been on radio before. It's the only thing I've ever wanted since I was five years old. Uh, I just got my name, my new name, my old name was this, my new name is Larry King, and uh, I'm frightened to death. Uh, just stay with me for the hour and we'll get through this. And he put his record, and he said, next album up is something, and he, and he, put, his, he put his record on, and he said, what I did was I transferred all my nervousness to the people. I told them exactly what was going on, and I learned in that moment that I can transfer all my nervousness to them, and then I don't have it. And he said, from that day forward, I was never frightened. I was never scared of radio again. I thought that was just really cool for young broadcasters to hear how he got started and what that, what that did for him. So here we go. Without further ado, this is the Austin Furman interview. I'm in there asking questions too, but it's mostly a student's uh, job of interviewing. I helped him with his questions and, and that type of thing, but it was a great, great little interview, 20 minutes. This was done in uh, 2016. And without further ado, I bring you the world's greatest interviewer, Larry King. Rest in peace, Larry King. Incredible. And uh, these are, you know, various thing, trophies they've gotten, the base side baseballs, these are bats. Yeah. Bats have been given over here. We have uh, a lot of awards. Letter from Frank Sinatra and Nancy Reagan. Handwritten letter from President Ford. Uh, various awards. It was King of Bacchus. New Orleans Mardi Gras. Whose hammer is that? Presented to Larry King in the prison. From Covenant Governor. Who's the governor? I'm trying to get Gray Davis on the mic. Jesus. State of Texas. Wow. Yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. This is the Ben Franklin Award. 
What's your greatest award? Any of these awards that really uh, mean something? Yeah. And yeah. the other room is the Lifetime Achievement from the Emmys. Oh, wow. That's huge. It's a Lifetime Achievement. And the other award, almost two Peabody Awards. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's huge. The Peabody's. And there's a regular like, Emmy. There's the Lifetime Achievement. The Lifetime Achievement Emmy is in the front room. Okay, I saw that. What was the name of the character that you were in charge Was it Dorothy? Doris. Or Doris, yeah, Doris. The uh, ugly yeah, yeah. sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the George Bush signature on Ben Franklin Day. A letter from Sinatra. Not a letter from John Kennedy Jr. Tommy Lasorda, there's Tommy Lasorda's seat. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Here's the, wow, Gerald Ford. And these are books I've written and published in other languages. Kind of crazy, isn't it? You've, all these things happened to me. Yeah, look at this. I mean, imagine so when I how many. See the first ladies, and they got Hillary, Nancy, Hillary, yeah. Betty Ford, Barbara Bush, Rosalind Carter. Hmm. Well, what's what's interesting Five is what's interesting. All these people that you're talking about, you're equally and probably shadow their popularity. Well, do you know what I mean? It's seen all over the world. Right. Bobby Kennedy letter. Uh, I, let, I don't know where it went on to. Where is it? It's a letter here from John Kennedy Jr. Wow. Look at that maestro of chin music. Hi, welcome to Meet Up with Austin. I'm Austin Furman with my legendary guest, Larry King. Thank you for inviting us to your house. First question How does it feel to be on the other side of the table? I like it. I like conversation. I like communication, so I like asking questions. I like answering questions. I don't know what you're going to ask, so that's kind of interesting. And I like, I don't walk around thinking about things. So when I'm asked questions, I am forced to think about what I'm going to say to the answer. So I enjoy both ends. What were some of your interests in high school? I wasn't a very good student. Uh, my father had died when I was almost 10. And I was a good student before that, and then kind of lost interest in school, and I really coasted my way through. My only interest was going to ball games and uh, wanting to be a radio announcer. I always wanted to be an announcer. I wanted to be on radio since I was five years old. So in high school, I participated in like the Speakers Bureau. I would do debates. I emceed shows that we did. I was not a very good student, I didn't go to college. So my interest in high school was in the extracurricular cultural activities and our, our high school teams. You know, I support the teams. I kept score. I was manager of the basketball team. Mm -hmm. But studious, I was not. You said you went to ball games and you were very much interested in baseball. Did you have any role models or inspirations? Well, I always admired uh, athletes who succeed. Jackie Robinson, I was at his first game. And... Uh, I interviewed him twice later in life, and he was certainly a hero to me as he was to America and to the civil rights movement. 
those were some great moments, but he would be a hero. But I had broadcast heroes, you know, I had Jackie Gleason was a, a mentor to me. And I, it, it's not a good idea to imitate people, so I never imitated anyone, but I had people, a lot of people I looked up to. Mm-hmm. You said you went to Jackie Robinson's first game. What was it like to be at his first it was game? A, it was thrills. I was uh, 13. Uh, and when he walked out on that field in that white, white uniform, Dodgers had the whitest uniform ever. This was Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. And Jackie was a very dark black man. And so the contrast of Jackie and that shirt and the Dodgers so embellished the whole acceptance of finally getting blacks into baseball, which has been terrible. They've been kept out. But we knew it was a historic moment. Do you think that he was going to be a, a big-time baseball star? No, we knew he'd be good. He was not a great... He was not... Baseball wasn't his best sport. His best sport was football, then track, then basketball, then baseball. But baseball is where he could make money. So he was playing with the Kansas City Monarchs, making a pretty good living. And the Dodgers came, and the rest is history. Right. Obviously, you worked your way up with Larry King Live, but tell us about some of your voiceover work. Well, my voiceover, the only, uh, I've done Shrek, three, three Shrek movies in which I played a woman. Doris, the ugly stepsister. I've done a lot of commercials in my life. And I did the Bee movie with Jerry Steinfeld, in which I was a bee. I was Larry B. King. And he was another bee, and I interviewed him in my bee cave. It was very funny. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, But most of my work has been on camera, on microphone. I've, I've been in the business 59 years. If I make it to next May 2017, I'll be on the air 60 years in seven different decades. And I pinch myself every day because Austin, all I ever wanted to do was be on the radio. That was my number one wish. And when that came true, I thought I was in manna from heaven, but I never knew about There'd be a CNN or worldwide television, or who knew there'd be worldwide television. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the internet, and I'm doing on Hulu, and I, but I'm doing the same thing I did when I was 23 years old, which is ask questions. Yeah. I'm transmitted differently, you know, with cable and satellites and internet, but I'm doing the same thing. I've always been curious. Yeah. You mentioned internet, things have changed a lot since you started your career in 1957, how do you think internet has changed? Are things better, worse? Well, there's, good, better? there's better and worse. Uh, you know, if we never invented the airplane, no one would have died in an airplane crash. So you take the good with the bad. Yeah. The good is a lot of information. The bad is a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. The good is a lot of speed. Get information fast. Bad is fast is not always better. Uh, you can get tons of information, but the the internet has hurt newspapers. And I'm a newspaper guy. I love newspapers. Right. I'm lost without the New York Times. It's the first thing I do every day. And uh, the internet has hurt. It's diminished the role of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. But it's progress, and you can't stop progress. You can't stop 
if someone is working somewhere on inventing something, every time something new happens, like Uber, wow, there was one guy with one idea. That was in, that's incredible. Uh, a friend of mine started uh, Twitter. One guy, one idea. Worked for a summer, he was in college. He had a summer job for a taxi cab company. Sending out messages to the cab drivers to go pick up this person in 40, 140 words or less. Mm. They would send out these men to get the idea why well, couldn't, you know, that, that all amazes me. So the advancement of technology is so overwhelming to me that I can't even. So obviously the good does more than the bad, but there is a, there's a bad aspect to it too. That you get it, they raid people, invade accounts. Mm -hmm. You know, they, I don't like that. Right. You've done many interviews over your career. Are there any that you're most proud of? Well, I've done, someone estimated I've done close to 60,000 interviews. And because I did radio and television all those years. 60,000. Print interviews. Yeah, I guess I did. So most proud, I guess, eight American presidents, a lot of world leaders, a lot of big stars, and people who didn't do interviews, Sinatra, long interview with Sinatra, I did Malcolm X, Nelson Mandela, we're learning about Malcolm X in American history right now. Malcolm X taught me a great deal. He was an incredible man. Um, he taught me to think uh, about the plight of the black man. And I, I'm very liberal. And I always thought, well, I, I was really conscious of. But then he said to me, do you know what it's like to never see yourself on television, except as the maid in the house of someone. You're invisible. You never see a black Santa Claus. You never see a black doing a commercial. What do you think that's like? He's like a kid to grow up. Never sees himself in any position other than a butler, or a maid, or a doorman. What do you think that's like? That really struck me. I never forgot that. Since then, have you built up a strong friendship with Malcolm X? Well, he passed away. He was killed. Mm -hmm. No, we know. I never had. A I tried. I, I very rarely develop close friendships with people I've interviewed. I have a friendship. I had a great friendship with Governor Mario Cuomo. Of New York, when he died, it was so sad to me. I have a friendship with Bill Clinton. Ah, uh, who else? Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan, we were William great Trump. friends. George Clooney, a friend. Sinatra was a friend. But pretty much, I, I always kept the professional different from the personal. Mm -hmm. You mentioned American presidents earlier. Who was your favorite that you interviewed, if you were forced uh, to choose The most one. fun was Clinton. Because he was so smart and on top of things. They all had pluses. Reagan was a great storyteller. George Bush, he could talk baseball, kind of a regular guy. Jimmy Carter was very smart, hands-on. Richard Nixon was a little paranoid, but brilliant. 
Obama is very professorial, but on top of things. Mm -hmm. uh, George Bush the first, real good guy. You know, honest, fun to be with. And Gerald Ford, just cut a salt of the earth right out of Michigan. I like being with all of them, but if I, and if I had one, it would be Clinton. Also, you're active in charity. What organizations are you most passionate about? Well, I have the Larry King Cardiac Foundation. I had heart surgery and a heart attack years ago, and I started this foundation which helps people who can't afford it to get heart procedures. That's going away now with Obamacare, so we're going to be more educational. I'm also on the board of the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. I have type 2 diabetes. Uh, and I support a lot of clothes. I support the Beverly Hills Police. I do events for them and contribute to them heavily to their, their black and white ball. And Larry, if you were forced to make a top three of the most charismatic people you've interviewed, who would those people be? Charismatic. Charismatic. You know, I've been doing it so many years. You know, in different fields, it would depend. It certainly would be Sinatra, George Clooney, Angelina Jolie, very charismatic Brad Pitt. You know, that's in entertainment. Mm -hmm. All the presidents have charisma. You couldn't be president if you didn't have charisma. Yeah. Um, I've interviewed great scientists. Dr. Edward Teller, who invented the hydrogen bomb. I invented great district attorneys, a lot of prominent lawyers. To, to, to pick one out. It's, it's hard to decide. That, I've done too many interviews. Yeah. It what starts to blur, I guess. You, I mean, I guess it starts, there isn't like somebody like, bam, that guy, I'll never forget. I guess you've got, you get hit with so many There's of them. There's too many people like never being, to forget. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had too many never forgots. Right. <laughs> what do you have? in the pipeline for this year in terms of projects? Well, I'm doing my show on Aura. I'm doing a, a podcast with my wife once a week. Uh, um, the show is on Hulu. I'm on RT, and I'm in Europe and South America uh, with that show. And uh, we have a line of betting coming out called Sleep Like a King. Boy, and I make a lot of speeches. I, I like speaking. I'll be in Phoenix next week at the Muhammad Ali dinner. I'm dean of the Friars Club in New York. We're honoring Jerry Lewis in a couple weeks. I do a lot of speaking. I love speaking. I like making people laugh. Um, do I, I can't be inactive. I couldn't retire. Now I'm 82, but I don't feel 82. I certainly, the odds were against my ever being 82. You know, I had a heart surgery, heart attack years ago. And I'm just, I'm, I've, I've got an agenda that never ends. I love working. Mm -hmm. I love whole, the whole business of communicating. I love. You said earlier in an interview that you, don't have to love your wife, but you have to love your kids. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, the only unrequited love in the world is parent for child. You don't have to. I mean, you could, your wife, you hate this divorce. You don't divorce your kids. If your kid is a criminal or your kid is the president, 
You can love them. Right. You can feel sorry for them. You can be angry at them. But the love is unrequited. Unrequited. That's the only love that's unrequited as parent for child. If you could go back and change one thing in your entire life, what would that be? The day I started smoking. Um, smoking caused my heart attack and I had it when I was 53 years old. I was lucky that I had it where they could get it under control and do surgery. But if I hadn't smoked, and I smoked because my father smoked and I wanted to be like him and he died when I was younger. But that would be the day. If I could have that day back, I'd have never start smoking. What's the most important thing you've learned in life? Uh, loyalty above all. I'm uh, Professionally, what I learned was that I never learned anything when I was talking. So I always listened to the guests. I asked short questions. Tried to draw the guest out because so too many people that I see now in broadcasting, they like the sound of their own voice. They get on soapboxes, they pontificate, they yell. Not my kind of. So my motto is, I never learned anything when I was talking. And the number one attribute I look for in people is loyalty. All right. Well, that wraps up Meet Up with Austin. I'm Austin Furman with my legendary guest, Larry King. Austin Freeman, you're very good. If you want to be in this business, is that what you want to do? Yes. Stay with it because you're going to do very well. Thank you. Someday you'll be seeing on major television, the Austin Freeman Show. Pay attention to it. How'd the interview go? The interview went very well. Very pleased with it. Larry was very nice and he was great. What did he, he leave you with? And, and, and at the end, he told me that I will be somebody famous and, and, and that I will be on TV someday. He blessed you. He ble I was blessed by the king. Can't do better than that. Can't do better than that, baby. <laughs>